So we're talking through the book of Acts here, and we're seeing in Acts chapter 3 the story of Peter and John, and they're walking into the temple. They're walking through a gate called Beautiful. They are in, they're approaching the practice of prayer for the three o'clock prayer service while in the attitude of prayer. We talked about last week that prayer is both a practice and an attitude and it is intentional communication with God. They're not the only people in the story, however. In this process, there is a lame man that's sitting at this gate called Beautiful and we're going to talk about him a little bit today. Acts chapter 3 verse number 2 says, As they, Peter and John, approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. I like that the story reveals both sides of this situation. It reveals Peter and John going to the practice of prayer while in an attitude of prayer. They are believers. They are going to the temple because they are faithful. And it shows the side of the lame man, the one with a problem. He's lame from his mother's womb, so he really doesn't know another life other than the one of sitting by the gate begging. It's the only thing he's known. It's the only thing he can do. In fact, uh, in my life has been interesting because when people learn a little bit about my story, they will often ask into that. If they learn that I uh, went to 15 elementary and junior high schools and four high schools, sometimes people will say, well, what was that like? And I have a difficult time explaining it because it's all I know. I don't know what it's like to go to the same school with the same group of kids for my entire childhood, my entire high school years. I just don't know what that's like. So it's really hard to compare. When I was a kid, uh, seven or eight, mom, five, five, six, something like that, my mom and dad were missionaries in Indonesia. So I was also in Indonesia because in that's how it works when you're five or six. <laughs> and your parents are missionaries in Indonesia. So we were in Indonesia and I, I, we had a van and I enjoyed sitting on the window of the van. You roll the window down, you'd sit where the window retracts into the door, you'd sit on the door, and I'd look out over the van like this, holding onto the top of the van. Well, one night, we went to the grocery store. It was fairly late. We went to the grocery store, and I was sitting there, looking out across the van, out across the parking lot, when somehow, and I don't remember how, but somehow I lost my balance, lost my grip, and I fell over directly onto the top of my head. And when that happened, uh, I just, I was, I blacked out. I was, I was knocked unconscious. And so my parents took me to the local hospital and the doctor at the time was out to lunch. And several hours later, they were still out to lunch, all of the physicians. And so my parents just brought me back home and they prayed for me and they thought I would, I seemed okay, so they thought I would be okay. Now you know what's wrong with me. The, uh, <laughs> But I, don't, I didn't talk about that in the interviews four and a half years ago. The, uh, <laughs> leave that part out. A little editing. But years later, we discovered that I was starting to have hearing problems in my right ear. 
And when they started doing x-rays and so on here in the United States, they discovered that the bone in my ear canal had cracked. And as my head grew, do not make jokes about that. <laughs> the, uh, the, the space in the bone just started expanding. So everything in my ear technically works. It's just that the sound goes in, hits that gap, and then bounces around in my head. When I was about 10 or 12, they took a, I was a, went to Boston Children's Hospital and they took a bone out of the back of my skull and grafted it into my ear. And I had this big cast over my ear like this for about a month and then one day they took the cast off and the world became a very, very loud place as I suddenly could hear out of my right ear. But over the years, about a year later, I realized, they realized I was losing hearing in that ear again and. Uh, and one part, half the graph, one side of the graph took, the other side did not. And so I lost hearing again. And everybody felt very bad for me, but the problem was, for, as, not the problem, but for me, I didn't really feel like anything terrible was happening because I just kind of went back to what I'd always known. It was just what I knew. I didn't know what it was like to live a life with both ears operational as they should be. And this lame man, he is lame from his mother's womb. He doesn't know anything different than that. That is his reality. But God uses believers to be an answer to a problem in his life. Notice that Peter and John are named in this story. We know that they're named in the story because the story says they are Peter and John. Brilliant people think up things like that. But what caught my attention is that the lame man is not named. Could we have known his name? I think we could have. But I believe that Peter and John represent the believers in the world right now, the, the believers who are called for a mission and called for a purpose, believers who have a calling from God, an empowerment from God in our lives to make a difference in the world around us. And I think that the lame man is unnamed because I think he represents, uh, well, and, and God knows every name of every person that he has called and commissioned. Every single one of us. He, he says, I've got a purpose for you, I've got a plan for you, and I've empowered you to do my will in this world. But the lame man, I think, is unnamed because he represents all of us. He represents every believer and every unbeliever alike because we all have problems. We all have problems. And here's the big idea for us today. When you have a problem, place yourself in the path of a solution. When you have a problem, place yourself in the path of a solution. Don't get so overwhelmed by the problem that you cannot identify a path forward, a path to a solution. And I say a path because the solution may be unidentifiable. Could the layman have even imagined that on that day he would be healed and his feet and ankle bones would receive strength and he would be able to stand up and walk and jump and leap. Never could it have, he imagined it. I can't really understand what it's like to hear out of both ears and I do not know what it's like to go through life having a solid set of friends from childhood on into adulthood. I, I don't know what that's like and, and, and if you have that in your world, I encourage you to hold on to that because it is a very, very beautiful thing as I've understood more and more as I get a little bit older. But as, as this lame man is sitting there, he, he's got a problem and he's placing himself in the best place for 
any kind of solution to come along. And I say a path because no matter what your problem is, there is a better way and there is a, can I say, worse way to go. There's a better place and there's worse place to be. For instance, if you're dealing with alcoholism, if you've got a problem with alcohol, then I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, hanging out at the bar is not the best place that you can be to help find a solution for your problem. AA may be a great place to be. How about if you've got an issue with drugs? Then hanging out on the corner where drugs are sold or having the number of the dealer in your phone may not be the best call in your life. But being in an NA group may be a great place to be. Whatever your problem is, whatever your situation is, can I tell you a great place and always great place to be is with the family of God in the house of God. That's always a great place to be. Why? Because we've all got problems. Every one of us. And the lame man was putting himself in, a pl in the path of a solution. No matter how difficult the problem is, discipline yourself to move toward a solution versus identifying with a problem. It doesn't matter how difficult the problem is, move towards a solution. Don't sit back in life and just identify with your problem and say, well, that's just my thing. I've got three thoughts for you, and for those who are missing the three thoughts, you're welcome. It's been a minute. Thought number one is this. Problems are real and they're universal. Everyone has them, and I want to break down this man's problem, and maybe you can compare it to yours, the situation that you're dealing with. His problem was systemic. He was lame from his, brother, his mother's womb. He, he, he didn't know anything else at all, and some problems that you may experience in life are original at birth. I don't know what the issue is in your world, but there's one issue that we all deal with, every one of us from birth. Psalm 51.5 says, for I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. It's a systemic issue. From the fall of Adam and Eve, we are all sinners. We come into this world and we are in sin. No one has ever had to teach a baby how to lie. No one has ever had to teach a toddler how to say mine and be selfish. No one. Because that's innate within us. We are born in sin. It's a systemic issue. The man's problem was debilitating. He had to be carried. You know, all of us have to be carried at some point. But how many of us love being carried? My wife doesn't even like it whenever I try to pick her up and carry her around the house. She says, it's awkward. It's only the two of us there. How can it be that awkward? But she identifies it as such. It's because she doesn't like being carried. Few of us like being carried, but we all need carrying at some point in life. His problem was polarizing. Last week, I talked about the fact that 
my nana used to say when things weren't going well or whenever I was being bad or particularly mean to somebody, she'd say, Micah, your ugly is showing. This man's ugly was showing. He was lame, but he was sitting next to the beautiful gate. It's polarizing. Sometimes the problem that you have in life becomes even more exacerbated because of the situation that you're in. I, I, I know people that are dealing with, with really difficult problems, but, but the problem is even made worse because they have been blessed with great successes in life. And in comparison to their great successes, the problem just seems even more debilitating, even more polarizing, and it becomes very difficult. But let's just recognize, ladies and gentlemen, that there are many problems in this world that no amount of money or resource can solve. Only Jesus can solve them. And so no matter what your status is in life, if you're dealing with a problem, it can become polarizing. And some problems are highlighted because of their surroundings. This man is crippled and he's maimed and, and he cannot deal with his own stuff in life. And yet he's sitting beside the beautiful gate. Just highlights the ugly of his life. His problem was limiting. He couldn't walk or even enter the temple. In fact, can I say that every single problem you and I have, they are limiting in some manner. That's why we call them problems. If they weren't limiting, we wouldn't call them a problem. His problem was debasing. He had to beg. That's how he was able to be sustained, by begging. Historically, he would have been raised knowing that because he was lame, he would have, have no future. He, he wouldn't have gotten married because marriage at the time was all about the man's ability to, to provide for the woman. Women did not provide for men. This is, well, I could get into all of that, but historically speaking, that's how it was. So he would not be able to get married. He also would not be able to have children. And so he knows that his life is just all about the single reality that God told Israel in the law to be generous to the poor. And he qualified as poor. And so that's what he counted on by sitting by the beautiful gate. In fact, every single problem in the world reduces us, reduces our lifestyle, reduces our potential in some manner. It causes us to feel a little less than in some way. And when that happens, the enemy loves to tell you that you're all by yourself, that you're alone with your problem. And because of that, we begin to feel this thing called shame, shame or humiliation. We feel like, we feel like we're just not living up to the standard. In fact, Adam and Eve, the first people to live and, and they failed God. They, they, they ate of the fruit that they were not supposed to eat of. And so because of that, their first response to sin was to feel shame. And they took fig leaves and sewed them together and, and covered their nakedness. And then they hid from God when he came walking in the garden trying to talk to them and trying to interact with them. And they hid themselves from him. And he said, who told you that you were naked? They were ashamed of what they had done. And shame has, from that point forward, been the first response to any time we feel like, like we come up short or any time we feel like we're, we're less than. And for some reason, the world tells us to hide our problem. But God says, 
Let your problem be known. And that's thought number two today. Let your problem be known. Don't hide it. Let it be known. This man was brought to the gate beautiful. This this gate beautiful was a primary entrance into a very popular place in town. He, He wasn't hiding anything. He was putting it right out there for everybody to see. He, he was putting himself in the best possible place for an answer to his problem to come along. The scripture instructs us to let our problems be known. How was this the best place for this man? It was the best place because the people of God who cared about what the law said, cared about what the law about the law of Moses and about what God had said in the law of Moses, they would be the people going in and out of the temple at various times of the day for prayer. They would be the ones who would know that God had said, be generous to the poor. So he was putting himself in the best possible place to meet or be seen by as many people as possible who would have the idea that being generous to the poor was God's will. Therefore, potentially giving him some money. That's what he was doing, and and the Lord has continued to instruct you and I to let our problems be known. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So confessing sins to God, not trying to hide them from God, allows us to find forgiveness and allows us to find cleansing in our life. I'm thankful for that today. And a lot of us say, well, that's great. I'm just really thankful that I can call on God and I am too. But the Bible doesn't stop there when it talks about letting our issues or our problems be known. James chapter 5, 16 says, confess your sins to each other. One's this way, one is this way. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So confessing to each other while confessing to God brings forgiveness and cleansing and brings healing to our life. But it doesn't stop there. James chapter 5 verse 14 says, Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. I've had people that I've pastored, I haven't, didn't see them for a while in church, so I'd give them a call and say, hey, how you guys doing? Is everything okay? And they'd, they'd say things like, well, I've been in the hospital for 47 days, and really, I didn't know anything about it. No, no, I didn't, I didn't tell anybody. Well, what's going on with you? Well, I had a, a heart transplant, then I had a brain transplant, then I had a liver transplant, now I'm having bone transplants, and... I mean, they're just rebuilding my entire body. Well, can we help you? Oh, no, I don't want to bother anybody. We're the family of God. We're here to be bothered with one another's burdens. Sometime now, okay, I'm not going to talk about everybody else right now. I'm going to preach to you. Because let me tell you what happens at Five Lakes Church. Some of you will cook food for people every day of the week for 73 weeks. Some of you will write checks to help people in need that you know about or hear about. 
Some of you will go visit people, you will give people rides, you will pour out of yourself to bless others over and over and over, but when you have a problem, you will not tell a single person about it. And you will say, I'll say, do you need any help? No, don't need anything. You need to stop that. That at times, I know that sometimes we're in a blessed place and we live blessed lives. And sometimes it's because, well, I could just call the restaurant and order it in or we could have it delivered or, you know, we can do this or we can do that. And all of those things may absolutely be true. But do not be, do not be giving and, and, and willing to bless others, but too prideful to receive help from others. Sometimes pride masquerades as humility. So if you've got a problem, call somebody, email somebody, let us know what's going on. Now you say, well, I just don't want you all up in my business. That's your call. But I've had people say, well, you're just, I, I don't want to bother you. I know you're hard to get a hold of. Actually, I'm the easiest person on the planet to get a hold of. If you call the office, email the office or email me. All, what happens is you get put on a calendar. We set an appointment and it happens. Pastor Benton's easy to get a hold of. We have prayer partners that are easy to get a hold of. We have Stephen ministers that are easy to get a hold of. We have counselors that we have vetted and that we know are solid, good counselors. We, we can help in all kinds of ways. And here's the bigger part. We want to help because we're the family of God. If you're sick, call and make your sickness known combined with prayer and healing, uh, combined with prayer brings healing. How about this, Matthew 18? If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two other with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church the church, then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector, both of whom you would avoid completely. So notice what it's saying. There are three rings, expanding rings of making a problem known. Go one-on-one -on -one, and if the answer comes there, praise the Lord. If, it, if that answer doesn't come from that, then you take two or three witnesses and from there you try to come up with a solution and handle the problem. If they won't hear from two or three witnesses and they've now seen what the issue is, then you bring it to the church. Notice, expanding rings of fellow believers. The scripture is teaching us to keep the issues between believers as, as localized as possible, but expanding as needed until a solution is arrived at. The scripture never says, hide the problem. Act like the problem doesn't exist. Sweep the problem under the rug. Nor does it say, blast your problem on every social media platform that the world's ever seen. Neither are healthy. It's saying take the problem to an expanding group of believers in order to find a solution. I've said for years and I say today, we cannot handle something that we don't know exists. 
I've talked to people in years past. Of course, this has never happened at Five Lakes Church, but, you know. <laughs> but people will say, uh, I'm, I need to leave the church because of something that happened. And I say, what happened? And they'll say, well, such and such happened. And I'll say, well, when did that happen? Well, it happened four years ago. Did you tell anybody about it? No. Well, then I can't, no one can handle an issue that we don't know exists. And we can't help with an issue with, you know, that we don't know exists. So the idea that the enemy comes to us and says, hey, keep that tight, keep that close, act like it didn't happen, try to sweep it under the rug, just try to deal with it all by yourself, that is not what God has called us to do. In nowhere in his word does it tell us that is the answer. No, he says, let your problem be known. And the prayer of a righteous person, we just read it, has great power and produces wonderful results. What could the prayers of 10 righteous people do? A hundred righteous people do? A thousand righteous people do? The consistent call to unify in confession and prayer is the reason we have prayer partners up here at the end of each service. We already agreed that all of us have problems. So if we all have problems, then you're not fooling anybody by not coming to the front to say, I need prayer for a problem. The problem may be you, the problem may be within you, the problem may be career, the problem may be kids, the problem may be all kinds of things. No one's judging or asking what the problem is except the prayer partner. We're just saying, I need help. I'm going to let this problem be known to somebody and they're going to pray for me. It's why we have Stephen ministry. If you're in a situation where you need to walk with someone through a problem in your life, a Stephen minister is trained and ready and prepared to help you do exactly that. Christian counselors that are vetted. A good friend that's a believer going in the same direction you are. All are great ways to help reveal the problem. Let the problem be known in your life and see if a solution, a path forward can be come to. Sometimes the problem is clear, but other times it gets buried under just tons of baggage. Life just throws a lot at you. And so what, be, what was a, a fairly containable problem is now a complex mix of problems that just keeps compounding over time. If we clearly identify the problem, it can often reveal a solution. And that's where outside sources help. The friend, the pastor, the counselor, the Stephen minister, the prayer partner, talking to the Lord. They help because they can ask questions, reframe the problem, and help you find a path forward. It may not be an instantaneous result, but it is a path. You're putting yourself in the path of a solution. Making the problems known places you in the path of a solution. So let it be known. But it's tough sometimes. In fact, it's really hard at times to let the problem be known because, because we feel that thing called shame. But thought number three is this, humility results in an answered prayer. I didn't say this in the last service. Psalm 67 is a phenomenal psalm if you want to read it. And, and to me, it gives a pattern of receiving, of, of a pattern of how to receive blessing in one's life. But the first thing it says is, God have grace on me. I'm crying out 
for you to have grace in my life. Because humility, humility results in the answered prayer. Pride separates us from a solution. We already know that the problem causes us to feel less than. It feels like we've come up short. Human emotion, the human response is to feel this thing called shame. And humanity fights shame with pride. I will tell you that pride is the number one issue in our world today. But can I just say that pride has always been the number one issue in our world. The lame man received an answer to a difficult problem because he asked. He said, do you you have something for me? Do you have anything for me? When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And we hate asking. We hate asking. We, we have older people in the congregation. And maybe you're in here right now and you're saying, yeah, I hate it because young people, I've got so much wisdom, I've got so much experience, I've got so much life lived. And if young people would just simply ask me for my opinion or for my help or for my advice, I would freely give it. It would just, it would bless them. It would help their life be so much easier. And young people, I'm just going to suggest to you, do that. But young people hate asking older people for help on stuff. Hate it. And older folks, as much as you hate it that young people won't ask you for help on the things that they're dealing with, you hate asking anyone else for help too. I have seen older people standing four inches from me in a grocery store trying to reach for the cereal at the top of the shelves and can't reach it. They're this tall. But they're reaching and reaching. And finally, I'll say, would you like some help? Oh, if you want to. No, you have absolutely no chance without a ladder or God just elevating you up right now of getting what you're looking for. You have zero chance of success. I, on the other hand, can just reach that very quickly for you. But they just hate to ask. Hate asking. So pride stands in the way of the solution. Most often we hide the problem, but our culture has gone a step further today, declaring the result of pride a feature, not a problem. So somebody might say, hey, you know, it looks like they have a critical spirit, but it's really discernment. Somebody with a negative attitude. Well, they're just cautious. Cautious. Careful. Prudent. How about somebody that's just mean? Just a mean person. I'm protective. I'm protective of everything. Pride has been mislabeled over and over again. And we use this thing, this word called confidence. We say, if, some, uh, if I'm prideful, I'll say, no, I just got to, I just, I'm confident. If I'm arrogant, I think more of myself than I should. No, I'm just confident. An exaggerated self-importance. If I'm vain, just confident. People taking selfies of themselves without anything on. 
Do you know that you can be confident with clothes on? People have done it for a long time. It's a thing. It's lasted. You can operate with confidence in your life and be clothed. Shocking what you can learn these days. But we call these things confidence. And being identified by a problem today can be labeled as heroic. So why would I try to find an answer to a problem that I'm identified with now and now you're calling me a hero? That's not a problem. That's a benefit. That's a feature in life. This man was humble enough to ask, why let yourself be identified with a problem? Humility is not weakness. Need is not weakness. Failure is not weakness. You know what's weakness? Weakness is weakness. But weakness can be overcome by building strength. And sometimes the only thing between being weak and being strong is the willingness to ask. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Don't give in to the temptation to isolate yourself, to, to retreat into yourself. That just allows the problem to determine the direction of your life. Don't let your problem determine your direction. Refuse that temptation and stand in the path of a solution. In fact, the problem can only define you as long as it determines your direction. And that's why so many people begin identifying with the problem. They say, well, I am just this or I am just that. Stop doing that. Stop doing it. Don't deny the issue. We don't, we're not living in a fantasy world. Don't deny the problem. But discipline yourself to think, to move, and to identify with a solution. So when somebody says this, are you the one with depression? Your answer can be no. I'm the one who's depending on God's joy to be my strength. Maybe they'll ask you like this. Hey, are you the one that's, trying, that's dealing with lust? Your answer can be no. I am the one that's covered in the righteousness of Christ. I'm walking away from lust and towards sanctification through Jesus Christ. How about this one? Are you the one hiding in shame because of the thing that was done to you? The answer is no. I'm the one who's standing boldly without shame in the grace of God. How about, are you the one consumed for, by hatred for the one who hurt you? And your answer can be no. I'm the one who's forgiven by Jesus Christ and by his power, I offer forgiveness to the one who did me harm. Whatever the problem may be, if they ask, are you the one? Then you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is resident within you, then your answer can be no. I am the one that is redeemed by the blood of the lamb. He redeemed my past. He secured my future. He took my shame and he nailed it to a cross. I do not identify with the problem in my life. I'm living in the path of a solution and his name is Jesus. Praise God. 
Praise God, praise God, praise God. How do you do that? How do you do it? You let God transform your mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Your mind gets changed by living in the practice and attitude of prayer. It places you in the path of a solution. How do you know if God's not sending Peter and John to walk right by you today? I don't know. It could look like a prayer partner. Could look like a counselor. Could look like a, a brother or sister in Christ, a fellow believer. But if you got a problem, put yourself in the path of a solution. What could your life look like if you were solution versus problem focused? Praise God. The Holy Spirit's in this place right now. Why don't you bow your heads and prayer partners, why don't you come forward? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your power and for your presence. Every single one of us brings a problem to you today. I pray, Lord, that you would give us the courage and the humility to place ourselves in the path of a solution, not to identify with our problem. Oh, but to connect to the, to the problem solver. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing in us what we cannot do in ourselves. As we bring, humbly bring, our problem before you. We thank you, Lord, that you... You are the answer. Next week, we're going to start talking about that a little bit, but I'm just going to ask you to stand with me right now. We're going to worship as we close this service, but if you have a need in your life, I'm going to encourage you to come forward. Nobody's going to judge what it's like, what, what's going on in your world because they're too busy praying about what's going on in theirs. But if you want to connect with somebody, our prayer partners are here. Let's lift up the Lord as we close this service.